The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel, and I am the host for this podcast. Today's episode is actually going to be kind of out of sequence. We have episodes scheduled for the next few weeks, but because of the timeliness of the message from our interviewee today, we are putting this up pretty much right away, which is mid-June. Now, the person we're there, that we're interviewing today is a mother named Cynthia Munger. She does have a child who has struggled with addiction and is in recovery. For the past 10 years, Cynthia Munger has devoted her time to the issues of substance use disease with special focus on Purdue Pharma and the Sackler family and its role in the opioid crisis. In 2019, Cynthia wrote and presented the Boston Opioid Spoon Conference, a paper entitled The Web of Conflict. Cynthia is a listed officer in the Opioid Spoon Project nonprofit, one of the five-person members of the Purdue Bankruptcy Ad Hoc Committee on Accountability, active member of Friends of Safe House, Bankruptcy Legislation Editing Committee, founding member of Mentor Program Interim House, and an active supporter of the Sackler Act, which is what we're going to be talking a lot about today and is why this, is, this particular podcast episode is timely. Cynthia was interviewed for an Italian TV opioid special and a major presenter in the soon-to-be-released Needles in the Hay. Without further ado, let's talk to Mother Cynthia Munger. I'm going, I'm going to add this into the intro because I know she's going to talk more about it, but I know a lot of you don't necessarily listen to the whole podcast, so I want to make sure you get this. Please go to oxyjustice.org, and there will be contact instructions on how to write the judge who is doing the hearings on the um, Sackler Law. So please do that, and hopefully you'll listen to the rest of the podcast and get more information. Thanks. Cynthia Munger, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. So, Cynthia, you are, you are, I would call you a freedom fighter right now in the whole area of the opioid crisis. But what I'd like you to do is take us back and tell us, how did you even get started in this? You're a mom. You, you said that yourself. You're a very well-informed mom. How did you get into this? Well, probably about 12, 13 years ago. And yes, my name is Cynthia Munger. And who I am is I'm a proud mom of a son who was prescribed Oxycontin and other opioids after shoulder surgeries, who became, who acted like many of the, of the athletes did. What he does, you know, if I take a lot of pills, I can keep playing until he can't. And really the rest is history. Was he a professional athlete? No, no, was this no. High, he school? Was high school and college. Okay. He was recruited for a college, uh, and, he, and so he was injured, presumably while playing the sports, and that's why he needed the surgery. Okay, absolutely injured okay. while playing the sport, and took the pills I gave him. I gave him I, his first. I, I understand because it wasn't addictive, and that's a <laughs> exactly. lie. That's a exactly. lie, folks. 
Well, here's a little story. If you want to hear a story, I, I was worried about it. I called when I got the prescription and I called a friend who's an anesthesiologist. And I said, hey, this is pretty strong stuff. Is this okay to give to him? And he said to me, yes, you can't, he can't get hooked on it unless he takes it every day for at least 21 days. That wasn't true, of course. <laughs> and he believed it because that's what the Purdue Pharma material told him and the Sackler family told him, which I'll get into. But what I want to say here is, is that I want to describe myself. I'm an informed layperson. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not, you know, I'm not credentialed in interpreting law, bankruptcy law, trial law. I am a claimant. I'm a mom who wants to see justice done, who realizes that the options we're being left right now don't bring us any justice. Understood. I, I'm, I just want to go back one second. So then your son then became addicted to painkillers. Did... Um... And that's kind of the red flag that got you going oh, after this whole subject? Absolutely. I, I am so grateful now that he's emerged as a, you know, a young adult, and I'm incredibly proud of him. And I basically said, okay, uh, I'm going to return that gratefulness by devoting all my free time, all the information I've ever learned and what I know from my career and I'm going to become an activist and see justice done. And, and that's where I am. And that started 12 years ago. And what was your career? Or what is your career? Well, years ago, I was a managing partner for a big consulting firm. Okay. And uh, I uh, worked in the legal strategic business consulting practice with it. If you can figure out what that means. Right. But I spent the majority of my time in fact, all my time with corporate uh, chief legal officers and law firms and their managing uh, division. And actually, it was a great career and it taught me research, statistical analysis. Uh, I'm able to employ a lot of the skills that I have here. Well, and I can see that because one of the things I know you're going to talk about, and we, we are going to get there, I promise everybody, is that there's a lot of legal mumbo jumbo that is specifically used to pull the wool over the claimant's eyes so that they think something is going to happen, which actually is probably never going to happen. So that's all I'm going to say about that, except that just your background probably helps you um, like cut yes. through the, excuse my bad word, I can say I did this, cut through you the bullshit. Right. And this is fraught with bullshit. So if I may return that. But that leads me to what I, what I really want to talk about. And then I'll leave with an example that should address your question. One, I really want us to look at and frame four basic questions. One is, uh, well, maybe five. I'll start with giving, let's give a little idea of what Purdue Pharmaceuticals is all about, because that's really the topic here. And more importantly, the topic is to isolate the true guilty party who has put OxyContin out there on the, to yep. the public, flooded the yep. market, and that is the Sackler family. Yep. And what I'd like to do is frame that within the, uh, the bankruptcy how did we get to a bankruptcy? We know there's tons of lawsuits out there, but somehow Purdue Pharma 
under the very, very strong tutelage and ownership and management of the Sackler family, has been able to wiggle its way out of it and put itself into a place where it doesn't belong. And that's the bankruptcy court. The second thing I want to do is, what are the Sacklers getting out of this? <laughs> and I'm separating the Sacklers from Purdue Pharma. Purdue Pharma is a shell. There's really not much left of it. But ironically, it's what a lot, it's being used as a big payout, as part of the big payout. The other thing I want to get into is, you know, probably the individual claimants, the actual victims, the moms, the families who've lost someone, who have second mortgaged their homes, who are terrified how they're going to pay back the loans by putting their kids through expensive rehabs or inexpensive rehabs and not getting insurance covering the grandmoms of the children. Yep. They're the ones I'm really concerned about in this particular scenario that I believe have not been properly represented. Right. And, then, and I'm just going to say, in case, oh, the, in case somebody listening doesn't know, Purdue Pharma manufactured OxyContin and marketed it extremely, um, what's the word, uh, heavily to doctors telling them that it was not addictive. Right. They flooded the market. And a little aside that I think it's important when you referenced earlier about uh, the Sackler family in Purdue, the, the lack of truth or the manipulation of truth. Uh, what happened that's interesting. I have in to say it. I'm just going to say it because I can say it. They lied, Cynthia. They lied. It's not, it, it, they just <laughs> flat out lied to the doctors, lied to the public. Yes, yes Purdue, they... you did. And yes, Sacklers, you knew all about it. Exactly. Exactly. And one of the ways they lied and, and actually the way they manipulated information, which ended up being a lie, is they kept bragging about, oh, we're only 4% of the market. But we're only 6%. It keeps changing. But here's the thing. The way the market is, is uh, measured, they, we measure the market based on number of pills. Okay. The Sacklers make their money based on the potency of the medication, of the OxyContin. So the relationship is a one-to-one, -one, one pill to 180 milligram extended release OxyContin. So it looks like they have a very small market share, but they're making a tremendous impact with these potencies. But here's the other thing, Cynthia, and I know I tend to get on my soapbox on these things. If yeah, I okay. give you a pill and it's arsenic, and I tell you it's not going to hurt you, and you take it and you die, you are one person, I gave you one pill, I'm going to jail. I just murdered you. So exactly. whether it's 4% of the market, doesn't really matter. Exactly. And what we're, this is all part of the machinations that they are putting out there. And I think it's really, you know, the last thing I want to be sure we cover is that, you know, what can we do about it? What can we do about all these things that are going on? And one of the things I'd like to bring up is oxyjustice.org. I'm going to say that at the front end of this. And oxyjustice is, uh, was created by Pain, which is an organization founded by Nan Golden, who has done a tremendous amount for furthering the uh, understanding of what Purdue Pharma did and through the Sackler family 
to the company. What I want to say here is, you know, and I'll say this as an aside too, that the set, the Sacklers are the brains. They're the strategists, the organizers. Purdue Pharma is simply the muscle. The executives were directed to do exactly what they were told and given some freedom based on whether or not they were loyal enough to be creative within that framework. The Sackler family are the guilty party. Exactly. And because because I know we're going to talk more about it, but the whole point here is that while lawsuits were filed against Purdue Pharma, it was a long time, I think, before anybody really looked at the fact that the Sacklers were the mastermind behind it, and they are hiding behind some sort of um, corporate veil. So where where tell tell us really briefly kind of the legal history and where we are today okay well that that makes us look back into you know why the bankruptcy how did we get there that we put up as the first the first topic uh, one of the things i want to say that i think will sort of frame this well is that there are two realities here there's the legal reality that's governed by the law that's completely complicated and convoluted then there's the re real reality, the one that we follow is the public. And I'll give you a great example. Throughout this process, many have been saying, well, are we going to be able to sue the Sacklers in criminal court when we emerge from this bankruptcy? Legally, yes. Reality, never. Because everybody that is getting part of the pie that they're putting out, the 4.25, perhaps to be 2 million more, could be up to 4.5 billion. They, if they, they are the ones that have to sue and put this in criminal court. If they do, the Sacklers have made it clear that they will not continue the payment, which is going to go through for, it's going to take about seven years to get it all out. So they've got us in a rock and a hard place. Plus the Department of Justice has literally made deals with them that have kept them from being prosecuted for being guilty. And they continue to do so. The most recent being 2020's decision. And it's, it's the whole thing, I believe, is a travesty of justice. What was 2020's decision? What was that? Well, there have been two, two cases that I would call uh, watershed cases. One was 2007. And that was the case when the Purdue Pharma and its executives were, were uh, indicted for criminal activity. Okay. And what happened in a nutshell is that we should, they should have gone to jail and it could have pierced your corporate veil and gone to the Sackler family as well. However, the, we got in a political stance, negotiated uh, with the, the Department of Justice, was given an edict there's a gentleman named Mountcastle who had uh, helped spearhead a 120-page uh, indictment memo that laid out everything. They would have gone, somebody would have gone to jail. The executives would have been held accountable. What happened was they got off with misdemeanors at the last minute, and they paid $600 million, which for them is like lunch money. When you consider they've made $36 billion over the course of the life of OxyContin. Yep. So that's... How did they get off? 
what what's the thought on that? How did they get off? How did they get off with a misdemeanor? You kill millions of people and you're off with a misdemeanor? No, it's very simple. You have influence. Richard Sackler has said once, I think it was in his, I forget from where, but I read it as a quote. I can pick up the phone and I can call any congressperson that I want and they'll take my call. And that's pretty powerful. Plus, huge influence. They've gotten away with it because they have political influence. They've been influencing for 25 or actually longer than that with Arthur Sackler, the founder. And they continue to throw their weight around. And I just, I think they probably know where all the bodies are buried. <laughs> and so they continue to be protected. Okay. So, so in 2007, some of the Purdue executives were uh, convicted of a misdemeanor and they paid 600 million. And then what happened? Well, then we had uh, most recent one, which is 2020. And this all came about and how we ended up, I think, in, in uh, being so tied up with this bankruptcy. Basically, the court, uh, the, the U.S. Justice Department, Department of Justice said, uh, you're guilty of the same thing that you were in 2007. And they even added something, uh, the uh, practice fusion, where they were literally bribing uh, people to use their to sell Oxycontin when they went on a system. Uh, and the Department of Justice said, okay, here's the deal. You owe us $18 billion. That's the value of your crimes. But we're going to make a deal that integrates us with the bankruptcy settlement. So if the bankruptcy settlement goes through the way in which it's been contrived, you only have to pay us $225 million. Nobody gets convicted of anything. You just have to, well, they get a conviction, but nothing happens. Nothing happens. And once again, they escape scot-free. Now we get into the bankruptcy. And we ask ourselves, you know, what are the sectors getting out of this bankruptcy? Well, when did the bankruptcy come about? Because in 2007, they were ordered to pay $600 million. When did bankruptcy happen? 2017, they hired a firm called Davis Polk. Davis Polk is a, a white shoe uh, law firm out of Manhattan that is a, uh, they did what they call a restructuring. Now, in the restructuring, what they're, the idea was, we're going to try to uh, revamp Purdue Pharma. We're going to take a look at what's going on. We're going to address the issues. The bottom line was they were calculating whether or not they should put Purdue into bankruptcy. And here, this is the problem today with the bankruptcy law. And there was a, a wonderful, wonderful uh, law review article that I read by uh, a woman named Lindsay Simon. And it's called The Grifters. And she identified the Sacklers as the grifters. They are called, they are actually what we call non-debtors in the bankruptcy. It means that you have debtors. Those are the companies that uh, owe back the claims request. This is what we're negotiating in this deal. You have the debtors. And then you have... Uh, you have the non-debtors, which you, the Sacklers are identified as the primary. 
Non-debtors, the Sacklers are not in bankruptcy. The Sacklers are worth about, well, we've had three or four different types of uh, calculations, but Forbes said 13 billion. Now it sits around 11 billion. It's enough. <laughs> and, and yet they're running this bankruptcy. And what they've done is take advantage of the Wild West bankruptcy laws that really don't apply to what's happened. I'll give you an example that your readers might like in our lingo. There's, uh, you know, pseudo addiction. The pseudo addiction was when you were taking the pills and uh, the Purdue would say, well, pseudo addiction, it, it's, it's not really addiction. That person's not going to withdraw. That person's not really addicted because they want more pills. That, that's called pseudo addiction. What they really need is to up their potency. They need a bigger prescription. Well, I call this pseudo bankruptcy because it's, it's really a, a framework that has morphed into pseudo litigation within the bankruptcy court. And it doesn't work. It simply isn't working. Now, the, I, uh, I guess you would have to ask, what are the Sacklers getting out of this? And I'm separating the Sacklers from Purdue. Purdue's a building. And by the way, Purdue shouldn't have gone into bankruptcy either. Purdue was making money. It was very profitable. But part of what's happening in bankruptcy today is it's a place to park litigation suits. It's a place for a judge to say, well, yeah, I believe, I agree with you. We're going to, uh, you're going to be made bankrupt if these suits go through. So we're just going to, Take the step ahead, pretend you're bankrupt, and go from there. You are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name, or you can email us at theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com, or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com, or Call us at 727-314-7080. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. Sometimes, the hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 1-833-918-0008 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount. Or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. It's kind of, it's almost a way to hide assets. Do you know what I mean? Well, we'll get to that because uh, we go back again to what are the sacklers getting out of this? Uh, basically, I think the biggest thing that they're getting out of this is they are, they are getting a complete and total release of any liabilities. Now I'm going to read something 
to you that came out of 11 pages of the release, I couldn't begin to understand all the legalese in this. It is so confusing. But the Sacklers are demanding under Judge Drain's approval, complete release. And I want you to focus on the words that are in the legal document. The released party shall be conclusively, absolutely, unconditionally, irrevocably, forever, and permanently released. That's an illegal document. That's almost shameful. And what it really provides is that anybody that has have held or asserted any claims shall be permanently and forever stayed. So the 600 lawsuits that are out there, when this goes through, these people are just out of luck. They have their claim if they filed it. And when you look at the other, why are the Sacklers so adamant about getting this clearance and about getting these releases? You mentioned uh, the offshore. Right hiding now, assets, yeah. Hiding assets, yes. Uh, the Sacklers are part of the 1%. And that's a huge problem we have across the board. Can I prove it? No. I've been tracking Sackler money for years and even have access to the ICIJ, which is the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists databases. And I see the Sackler name all over the place. I think I also sent uh, an email to you that listed everybody that's on a list, this huge list of about 300 people, all their associates, all of their friends, their family lawyers, which is incredibly important for them to clear, and hundreds of shell companies, of LLCs, real estate transaction trusts, philanthropic trusts, family trusts, all are released. All are released in this bankruptcy. <laughs> and that's, and we know, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm sure that there's money being packed away. For example, the latest, uh, they sold a part of Purdue recently, and it was approved by the judge, and they sold it for cash. Well, cash is probably the easiest thing to hide, mm-hmm. and you hide it in real estate, and you hide it in trusts, and you mm-hmm. hide it in shell corporations, and you hide it offshore, and you, and so that's probably going on, but that's you know, they're going to be released from all that. Uh, so I I guess what you can say is overall, we, the public, have literally become the enablers of the Sackler bankruptcy antics because we can't, we're not able to stop it. Now, it's not because we haven't tried. I'll be honest with you. We have. Uh, we have... Uh, we have a pro bono lawyer that has been just fabulous because the one of the biggest things is that the public's voice has been interpreted in Judge Drain's court by Davis Polk and all of the other law firms representing Oxy, you know, the Oxy uh, cotton makers, Purdue Pharma, and the Sackler family and all of their interested parties. Our voice isn't being recognized at all, the individuals. If you look at how this is structured, you the problem we're having is, is that it's being presented in a way that everybody supports it. And that's really why I'm here today, because I, I want 
to mobilize and to let people know that that we don't all support it. And basically we've got we've got the states and what they want is is lots of money for abatement and you will hear abatement used as a universal term. And in abatement what we're what we're saying is they're thereafter the four and a half billion dollars and this is all being negotiated as we speak four and a half billion dollars and they want to use it to help people now that is wonderful we have mara healy from massachusetts who has done an incredible job in both her private lawsuits and in her plans for abatement what we don't know in that category of persons is Will the money all go to abatement? Because I don't know personally whether or not the uh, all attorney generals in all states have the authority to direct that money. So, so that's abatement, what, just if I can stop you for a second. So abatement would be giving that money to families who had to pay for treatment? Is that what no. abatement? No. What does abatement mean? No. Excellent point to clarify. Abatement is what is given to each of the states in terms of their claim that they claim they're going to use for recovery services, for, uh, you know, to put into their special services for rehabs, to put into anything that has to do with helping recovery and harm reduction. So if I'm and a mother would... and I lost a child to an Oxycontin addiction and overdose, I would get nothing. Basically. Well, that's where it's heading. He, and, right. and what, and because it's the other category that is out there are the individual claimants. And I hear numbers everywhere from, uh, you know, maybe 160,000 private claims like, like an individual. But within that category of claims, there's also a group that are getting a lot of money that represent corporations that are going back to be paid back for their harm. And that is uh, people like Blue Cross Blue Shield, CVS which is very ironic that in the MDL court, CVS is, is going to have to pay settlement. And in the bankruptcy court, CVS is getting money. So you can see how crazy this whole thing is. Yeah. But, but lost in the shuffle are the individuals. Now, let me say this, and I think this is a real important point for us to, to know. All of this is important and right. The states need a lot of money and deserve a lot of money, some more than others, to pay back the horrible costs they've had to put out to keep people alive. The individual, the parents that have lost kids, the parents that have put out hundreds of thousands of dollars for rehab, they deserve to pay off their mortgages and their loans and to be made whole again. The grandparents deserve to have funding that they can use to raise grandchildren that they never expected to raise. They're the ones getting shortchanged. What I wish we could do is have everybody get what they should get, everybody. And that means we have to break the corporate veil and we have to get to the sacklers. And, and that is, is what this bankruptcy is protecting. And, and is that what the Sackler Act would effect what is the sackler act i actually saw it but i sometimes reading that type of language is not the easiest for me and i will tell you that i didn't fully understand the bottom line okay 
the Sackler Act is, and, and first of all, the Sackler Act is a wonderful approach. And I, I, it, and what it does in a nutshell is it will prevent the judge from stopping all of the litigation cases that are currently stayed and will be forever stayed when the bankruptcy goes through and the Sacklers get their releases. So people like Mara Healy, who and uh, Massachusetts that have written this incredible, incredible litigation case have and research, they'll get to prosecute, they'll get to go ahead. Okay. In a civil court, civil court. I said prosecute and I, what I really mean is so go ahead in a civil court. Okay. And right now they can't. We're sitting on all this evidence that can't be used and it will never be used. So that the Sackler Act is taking away the power, a lot of the power of the bankruptcy judge, which has evolved to the point where a bankruptcy judge can literally make a decision on the basis of their judgment. They, there are the checks and balances that you would get in a trial court. They aren't there. There's no trial of your peers. There's no one questioning it except the judge. Now, understand, bankruptcy started out as being just about assets. And, you know, somebody goes bankrupt. They try to find the money they've got. And then you all fight over it and see what percentage of it you get. And the judges were great. I mean, they're very financially oriented. They were very regimented within their law. The law hasn't changed. But now we're a pseudo litigation court. And so the Sacklers are basically using the bankruptcy court to protect themselves from any further civil lawsuits. At civil and re- from a realistic standpoint, criminal. Right, exactly. Um, and so the Sackler Act, is that a piece of legislation just in Massachusetts? That no. is Sackler Act is a federal piece of, of legislation. Okay. And recently in the hearing, we were uh, having it's. It was presented by Maloney. Uh, Representative Maloney, who introduced it, and we are fighting to get it through. These things take time, and it's it's named. The, we were hoping, and if it can happen now, even now, there is an outside chance it could happen. But we're ha- getting into some political quagmire as usual. Uh, if the Sacklerette could go through within the next sixty days then we would be able to sue the Sacklers. Okay. And is that what going to oxyjustice.org and people writing in and um, contacting the judge, is that is that what that's going to help? Or Well, it, actually, there are two websites. But if you go to oxyjustice.org, that website has the link to uh, the Sackler Act. Dot org. Okay. And yeah, there's dot org, right? <laughs> I have to be sure I'm saying that. And the Sackler Act, if you go into the Sackler Act website, you're going to, you'll, you'll see a complete set of letters, everything done for you that okay. you could write your representative. And I mean, everything will take you five minutes under what we're after. And I might as well just put it out there right now. What we're after right now is Judge Drain holds the key to this. As much as he protects the corporations, he protects 
the rigidity of this law, he can make judgments that would enable us to have more benefits from this. And he's not. We need a call to arms. We want everybody to go to oxyjustice.org. We're giving you the contact information. We're giving you suggestions of what to write. We're laying out the issues that are harming the individual claimant. And we want these letters to go to Judge Drain. So let's look specifically at, you know, what, what's the public getting? Let's take a look at, at you know, we know, what the, we know what the bankruptcy is providing for the Sacklers. It's basically giving them complete immunity. It's basically giving them future opportunities to manage their money without scrutiny. It's allowing them to continue to exploit in the same manner that they are now overseas. The OxyContin penetration overseas is growing by leaps and bounds through the company called Munda Pharma. And they're going to walk away from this potentially richer than they are right now. What are we getting in return? Well, number one, the payout is not even begins to be, doesn't even begin to be commensurate with what people need to bail themselves out. It's between 770, 750 million. And you know, up until I got to the individuals, I've been talking billions. Now I'm millions, okay? We're supposed to get a, we are getting, hopefully, a document repository. However, because the judge is so favorable to the Sacklers and to the court proceedings, so many things have been redacted, just incredibly redacted. And I'll, I'll tell you a story. I was going through well, all of And let me just say, for oh. those of you listening, when she says redacted, it means ah. they basically take a black magic marker and yep. they cross out all of the important information and the names. And basically it renders the documents pretty much useless. Exactly. Exactly. And I can give you a little antidote on that. For example, I was going through an email that had been released and I was all excited. It was an email from David Sackler. David Sackler is a member of the Sackler family that handles the uh, Raymond Sackler family trust through a company called Summer Road in Florida. Uh, and I got all excited. He was writing his mother. And he's tell, telling her how concerned he is about everything. And it gets to the part where he's going to give me detail that actually lets us know exactly how guilty and how much they knew before. I flip the page and there it is. All black. I mean, if I had printed those pages, my, my printer would have been out of ink long before now and I, I remember just sort of looking going this is nuts now that is the type of document that would be put in the repository that is supposed to make people understand the truth and that's a fight we don't have it yet what else are, are, are uh, the public supposedly getting well I think the bigger thing is what are they not getting okay because those two things are the big they get me measly amount of money they get a repository oh don't let me forget they get a public they get 
we get to sell Oxycontin. We get to sell opioids. Yes. The entire settlement is framed as being valued. Initially, it was $13 billion. It's dropping now. Uh, and in that valuation is something called a, a public benefit corporation. Purdue Pharma is not being liquidated. Purdue Pharma, under Chapter 11, is being reorganized and going to come out a better company. Well, everybody has written. There have been so many so many uh, learned articles that have basically said, this is crazy. You're not going to change the stripes. It's going to keep, if they can retain, the same executives intact. It's supposed to be carefully under an oversight. But we know from previous situations like that, that oversight that is put into play after a negotiation has been reached, that is government owned, doesn't work. They just don't follow through. They, they let it happen as it falls. Right. So basically, that company is supposed to off is supposed to make up the difference between a recent valuation of about 10 billion and the 4.25 billion it's coming from the Sacklers. So this company has to be profitable and it's been milked. They've taken all of the money out of it. Right. It's a shell. And this. This court is letting it happen. Now, we've been screaming bloody murder. We need better valuations. We're not getting the appropriate valuations of these, these indices. And there's lots of questions we have. Right. And- so, Cynthia, let's, if we can, let's just kind of wrap it up and tell people okay. what, one more time what it is you want them to do and why. And, I mean, that's really the call to action, if you will. And that's the main reason why we're making this a special episode and putting it up as soon as we can because people need to do it now. Right, right. Okay, what we want is to establish oxyjustice.org as a forum for people to write Judge Drain. And we will be posting on it. For example, we're going to give everything we've talked about today, because I know it's a lot and it's, it's so much information. But the bottom line is we're going to have up there, in summary, what's wrong with a plan? And I even, I just wrote them down. What's wrong with the plan? Well, we're losing our opportunity to sue. We're getting a paltry amount of money. They're getting broad releases for everybody, past, future, and in perpetuity. We don't have a, a, a means of appeal. And I don't want to forget this part. We need an examiner. Jonathan Lipson has done an excellent job educating us and explaining. An examiner is an objective person that comes into the bankruptcy and looks at all the issues we've uncovered and identified. The judge refuses because if they do, everything we've talked about will come to light. And if what we've talked about comes to light, it will be very difficult to pretend it's not happening. And we have one, there's a motion that's been put in and it's it's very good. I think Judge Drain will say no. But in our call to action, we want people to look at what we've laid out as options for them to talk about. And if they want, we want them to put in their letter. We needed an examiner. We've tried to get an examiner for months. We keep getting shut down. Why not? We want our voices heard, not interpreted 
by the court like they have been. I don't want somebody saying that I love, I'm so happy with the settlement as I hear at practically every hearing. I'm a mom. I'm not happy with any of this. And I know hundreds of moms that aren't either and families. We need you to write to Judge Drain, the judge at oxyjustice.org. We will lay it out for you. Perfect. That's perfect. Cynthia, thank you so much for taking the time today. You've done a lot of work on this, and I think that more and more people need to know about it and need to, there are enough people who have been adversely affected by this whole opioid epidemic. Um, You know, this is a way, it's very frustrating, I'm sure, for a lot of our listeners who either have someone who is still addicted, even in recovery, or someone that has died from opioid overdoses. And this is a way you can kind of take some of that frustration and channel it into something for the good. Thank well, you, Cynthia. I want to say one last thing. Sure. We are, we the public are the biggest lobby out there. That's true. We're underutilized. This will yeah. help us come together. Thank yep. you so much. You're very welcome. <laughs> Once again, thank you for listening. And if you want to make a difference in this whole opioid epidemic, which has not gone away, um, it sometimes loses some of the focus because of things like COVID-19, but it's still there. Um, Please go to oxyjustice.org and send a letter to Judge Drain, who is basically trying to use the bankruptcy court to make it so that the Sackler family, who are the owners and the mastermind behind Purdue Pharma and the opioid epidemic, he is trying with the bankruptcy court to make it so that there is basically no further responsibility taken by the Sacklers, and that is unacceptable. There is also SacklerAct.org, and Sackler is S-A-C-K-L-E-R, SacklerAct.org, but please do both. Go to OxyJustice.org, write a letter to Judge Drain. There's a, a menu item there for you to do that. Go to SacklerAct.org and write a letter in support. Even if you're not a claimant, write these letters because there needs to be an outflooring, outpouring of public, uh, what's the word, um, public rise, rising up, public upset about this whole thing, and it's not okay for the Sacklers to not take responsibility. So this is a special episode. We'll have another episode coming up this week, with which is an interview, and please get help if you need it, or get your loved one in to help if they need it. Thank you for listening. You have been listening to The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, reach out to us on Facebook or go to www.theaddictionpodcast.com. Our email is theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com.